Well, hello, church. Welcome back to another edition of the Post-Sermon Wrap-Up Podcast. I am Pastor Scott. And I'm Pastor Kevin. And we are here to break down this uh, last Sunday's uh, message on the story of Abraham and Isaac, particularly Abraham's uh, attempted sacrifice of Isaac after God uh, commands him to do so. A lot of... A lot of history uh, mm -hmm. that kind of unfolds between where we were last week with uh, Genesis chapter 11 and the Tower of Babel, and we see people starting to be dispersed, and now here we are, uh, kind of we're doubling our, our distance into Genesis at this point with now Abraham and Isaac, a lot of things unfolding there. Uh, do you want to just give real quick a, just a synopsis again? Who is Abraham, and just maybe what what is significant of that story leading up to Genesis 22? Yeah, Abraham is an idol worshiper from um, the, the land of, what is it, Haran? Uh, yeah, uh, land of Haran, and God mercifully uh, selects Abram. Uh, his name starts out as Abram in Genesis 12, and um, eventually gets his name changed to Abraham. But uh, selects him and, and gives him a blessing, gives him a promise. We call it the Abrahamic covenant. We see it in Genesis 12. It gets repeated again in Genesis 15, then again in 18, and then reaffirmed at the end of 22. And we see this promise where God is actually blessing this man and choosing to make for himself a people, a nation, from one man through whom he can bless all the nations mm -hmm. of the world. Very good. So, what we see here in Genesis 22, your main, your main point that you were working off of here is this idea that God often tests your faith yes, so that you can know that He is truly enough, which mm -hmm. is very, I mean, that that's a very personal main point for us to really wrestle with here. But maybe one of the key words that we see in that main point there is that God tests our faith and for some of us uh even myself included right there's a little bit of a like a rub where he's like well god tests us yeah um what is what does that actually mean that hmm. god tests his people and is that is it right for god to to test people and is there maybe a distinction there of you know god testing us versus maybe god uh tempting us towards uh the potential of evil so how do we how do we maybe reconcile what's happening in the story and how we understand the character of god yeah it's a great question and certainly a question that uh, suffering always leads us to ask you know when we are in raw moments of temptation or testing um, often we find ourselves questioning God and uh, you see this kind of a mindset through the Psalms with David um, you see holy lament happening throughout much of uh, the, the scriptures where uh, God's people don't always see the reality of everything that's being accomplished from God's plan from his perspective and so it does require us to trust the character of God so let me just say if that's you right now listening um, can I just affirm for you, first of all, that God is good. Mm -hmm. And we don't say that based on Kevin Souter's experience. We don't say that based on uh, just our hope. We say that based on the, the testimony of Scripture, that God is good. 
And scripture is clear that he does test us. Uh, if you go to James, James chapter 1 is a great text to kind of reflect on this mm -hmm. question because um, in James 1 verse 2, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. First of all, that, mm -hmm. that is not natural. That is supernatural. <laughs> but count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of all kinds, all kinds mm -hmm. of multicolored trials, for you know something in verse 3. Well, what do I know when I encounter trials? That the testing of your faith produces something good. Mm. The testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And then he goes on to say, let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. In other words, God purposefully will test his children to, to show us that that they can't that we can endure mm -hmm. we can trust him he is good he's not a god who is evil he's not a god who's against us he's a god who's for us and yet just like we're going to learn this next week with the story of joseph god has purposes that he is bringing about even through our testing even through our suffering even through our pits like we're mm -hmm. going to find out with mm -hmm. with joseph this week and so from our many a school you know from our little man center perspective it's like wait god's making my life hard what's he doing mm -hmm. reminds me a little bit of a young child who says well dad if you love me you would never bring any pain or suffering into my mm -hmm. life why are you making me do chores i don't like this i don't mm -hmm. this is hard for me i don't like this he's like no the testing or uh, the, mm -hmm. the the trial the affliction the difficulty of doing your chores and getting this done is actually producing in you a a quality of character mm -hmm. uh, james 1 13 goes on to make it very clear let no one say when he is tested or being tempted i am being tempted by god for god cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one so so god never uh, uh, chooses to uh, tempt us with evil or entice us to evil we have enough of our sinful flesh <laughs> and satan's mm -hmm. influence in our own life that we can do evil all by ourselves right but god is able to use uh, testing and even the evil that happens you know that you think about joseph's story um you you brothers meant it evil for me but god meant it mm -hmm. for good and so god is sovereign his providence is working and um yes he does test his children so that we can become mature so that we can mm -hmm. become more satisfied in his sufficiency mm -hmm. i don't know if that helps or if i was just I think, rambling no, there. I, think it, I think it does right because i think it's a first first of all so important to understand the distinction between testing and tempting right so mm -hmm. they seem on the surface maybe sometimes like they're the same thing but it's very clear that god's intention is not to drive us towards sin but to drive us towards righteousness right and steadfastness i think that uh, verse there in, in james 1 is so helpful right let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing right so it's it's the same idea of i mean why we have you know somewhat like tests in school 
school, right? The, to grow yeah. our understanding, to uh, or physical fitness type tests, right? And you you do these things not so that you will be uh, torn down, but that you will be built up. That's and right. So that's a really helpful thing to remind ourselves of, and it's not always fun in the moment, right? right. The, the trials and the the hardships that God sometimes brings in. I know that was not easy for Abraham in this story. You really drew out the emotion of that. Um, but God has a good purpose always in mind for those. So so just let me make another comment if I can here, Scott. So um, I, think, I think where we question the character of God at times is when we are, we perceive to be tested or put through difficulty when we don't think we deserve it. Mm -hmm. In other words, we have this kind of wrong thinking that says, well, if I'm, if I'm being tested, it's always discipline. Mm -hmm. It's always corrective. It's always to punish me mm -hmm. or to, to let me go from sin. Kind of in a Hebrews 12 kind of way yeah. where mm -hmm. God does talk about mm -hmm. how he disciplines his children. Mm -hmm. and, and certainly that can happen. God can discipline us. Mm -hmm. But 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 we need to think about this not always from a Rome, uh, Hebrews twelve perspective mm -hmm. of discipline. Sometimes this is God testing us because we've been doing well, mm -hmm. because we've been producing fruit, and He desires more fruit. He's mm -hmm. willing to prune mm -hmm. and cut back the vine. Mm -hmm. And yes, it's painful, but it's actually because we do believe, mm -hmm. and He's helping us to grow more, and He's testing us so that mm -hmm. we would develop a greater character. So when you are tested, do not believe the lie that it's that it's only because you've been punished you're being punished uh, that in some ways God tests us and he proves us and he presses us even when we're doing really really well and when our faith is growing all so that how does Hebrews 5 say it so that the suffering will produce endurance the endurance will produce character and that character mm -hmm. will produce hope and that hope will not put us to shame so that we will come up into a maturity of Christ's likeness even as Christ himself was caused mm -hmm. to suffer yeah. Christ himself was tested but certainly not for disciplinary reasons and bet if we looked at scripture you would see countless examples of that one that particular comes to mind is the story of Job, right? So I right. remember a pastor uh, years ago uh, preaching at, at, a, at a, a pastor's conference and reminding the guys that don't be surprised when God brings hardships and trials your way. And don't take it because it means you're not doing well, but actually because that's, you know, this is, you're the person who probably needs it most. Yes. And so. And again, we're going to see that in yeah. a more powerful way this week with Joseph uh, as we get to the story of Joseph. Because Joseph, nowhere in Scripture in those 13 chapters of Joseph's life in the end of Genesis, do we ever see Joseph sinning. He's always doing everything right, and yet his life is continually being tested. Mm -hmm. and, and, and and he's very clear to give God the credit for the testing. He's, you know, God has brought me to Egypt so that many people would be saved alive. Yeah. Uh, so it's just a fascinating study. It's This is hard. This is hard truth. We're, we're, we're not in uh, basic Christianity 101. This is like Christianity 403 or something. I mean, like this, is, this is hard stuff, but this is what it means to mature mm -hmm. and become like Christ. It yeah. is right for God to test us. God is good as he tests us. Amen. So the testing in particular in this story was for Abraham to really determine if he loved his son Isaac, the, the, the seed of the promise that God gave him more than God himself. Now, I bet 
a lot of people, including myself, as you're you're telling the story and thinking about the story, and as we often see it depicted, we think of Isaac as this, you know, sweet, innocent little boy, you know, hmm. six to ten years of age, right? Like hanging out with his grandfatherly looking dad and everything. And yet you said something interesting on Sunday. You mentioned that Isaac's probably closer to twenty five to thirty. I mean, he's more like a young man. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, in that culture you'd been I mean, you were you were a he grown man at that yeah. point. So yeah. um, where does the idea of 25 to 30 uh, come from? Yeah, so there's some clues in the text. We can't be dogmatic about it on his age, but uh, I believe uh, this young 20s, late 20s is probably the best place for him to be because uh, if you look in the text in 22 verse 5 uh, and also then in... Um, uh, verse 12 there's this word for boy it's mm-hmm. uh, the King James I think used to use the word lad mm-hmm. you know I and the lad will go over and worship and we will come again that word for boy is actually the exact same word for the word for young men in mm-hmm. verse 5 where Abraham said to his young men his slaves okay. so uh, it's actually the exact same word there's no distinction between young men and boy now that word does have a full range of meaning. It can mean. Uh, it's, it's not a word that necessarily equates to age. So it's possible that yeah. Isaac was younger than these men, but that's a clue. Okay. That uh, the, other, the other clue here is that, uh, you know, when they get to the mountain and they walk up, Abraham gives the, the wood to Isaac, and Isaac carries the wood for the offering and it would have been a considerable amount of wood if you think about how much wood would be used for a sacrifice Isaac is the one carrying that wood so we know that he has the strength and the ability to uh, to be a load bearer mm-hmm. <laughs> in a way that his 120 year old dad cannot be you know mm-hmm. we know that Abraham was a hundred when he was born um, uh, the other thing that we have is uh, that uh, Let's see, there was one other thing that was kind of a clue. I did put it in the footnotes, by the way. If you want to go back and look at the the manuscript online, or if you picked one up at church, there is a footnote there that says uh, more of this uh, Mm -hmm. reasons why we believe that he was probably in his 20s. But for those reasons, I would say uh, Isaac was probably not a young adolescent, Mm -hmm. but he was a strapping young man who was just as much believing in God's provision as Abraham was for the sacrifice. That's a good point about the uh, carrying the wood. You would imagine that that would be significant for a burnt offering like that. And mm-hmm. I, I know from experience asking our seven-year-old to carry anything of any weight <laughs> is uh, of greater burden than she is willing to bear. So right, that's, right. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's funny to think about. So one, one other thing I just wanted to camp out on real quick, just of some significance. You made a really big statement towards the end of just how the fear of the Lord is what drives our obedience. So what, what again do you mean by the fear of the Lord and how is it that this type of fear, we don't have to think of it this way, but like how does this fear actually drive us towards our worship and our obedience to God? Oh, that's so good. So the fear of the Lord is just a conscious awareness of God's power and God's presence in my life that motivates me to obey Him. So if you think about this, uh, let me say that again. The fear of the Lord is a, is a consciousness. It's, it's an awareness that God is all-powerful and that God is right here with me. Mm-hmm. Now, 
if I know that God is right here with me and he's the God of the universe, he's my creator, I'm going to live different. I'm going to talk mm-hmm. different. And that is the fear of the Lord. Mm-hmm. It, it is not to quake. It is not to, uh, to, co- to completely be overcome and paralyzed by fear. It is to live with a God consciousness. Mm-hmm. The fear of the Lord is to say God knows mm-hmm. and God's all-powerful, mm-hmm. God cares, and He's with me. He's right here. Therefore, I will obey mm-hmm. Him. So that's why Proverbs says repeatedly, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Mm -hmm. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Because the fear of the Lord is to have this consciousness that God God is here with me. Mm -hmm. And He's He knows and He's all powerful and He's able. Mm -hmm. And so I think um, what you see here is when in verse uh, uh, 12 of our chapter 22, God says, for now I know that you fear God because you've not withheld your son, your only son whom you love. Well, God, God's all-knowing. It's not that he didn't need mm-hmm. to have this test, but now he knows through experience. That word for know is that, uh, that word for knowing through experience. Now I know from your life, and Abraham, you know from your life that you fear me more than you uh, fear loss. And and I I just think, you know, this is an interesting thing that's beyond the scope of this discussion Mm -hmm. here. But I think the relationship between fear and love is way different than how we tend to think about it in our culture. I think fear and love are two sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. Uh, We know from 1 John chapter 4 that that the biblical opposite of love is fear. Mm -hmm. Um, we, We wouldn't say the opposite of love biblically is hate. Mm-hmm. The opposite of love is actually fear. Mm-hmm. And so fear and love are actually related in this really intrinsic way that's kind of deep and philosophical. But the fear of the Lord is just to, is, is really the love of the Lord. Mm-hmm. The fear of the Lord is to love Him. It is, it is to say, I trust Him. I believe in Him. He's here. He's good. He's got it under control. And I can trust Him. That's good. That gives us a lot of hope. I mean, I, I know a lot of times when I talk about the fear of the Lord to people, just really talking about it's a right understanding of who God is in relation to who you are. There you right? go. You have That's to good. understand who you are um, in relation to who God is for you to really understand how you respond then appropriately yep. to him. So this has been very helpful, Kevin. Uh, one thing that would be helpful for you to clarify as we wrap up, you gave a great story at the beginning of your, a very hard story at the beginning yeah. of your sermon about your personal experience on Mount Moriah, this exact same mountain. Yes. And where we left you in that story on Sunday was that you and Jody were basically I didn't finish the story. You were surrendering your will to God, that God would do whatever he needed to in Abby's life. And then we didn't know what happened, no. <laughs> the good news is I was able to go up to Abby afterwards and give her a hug and say, yeah. I'm so glad that you're still here today, but uh, anything yeah. that would be helpful is you kind of think about how that story concluded. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I purposely didn't end that story just because, um, well, first of all, I, I trust that our church family knows that Abby's here, and, and but... You know, that, that Mount Moriah experience for Jody and I was where we surrendered Abby's life to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And the reality is that even if she would have died, or even if she would have had lifelong brain damage, mm-hmm. which by God's grace she doesn't have, but even if the answer would have been different, we had already surrendered her mm-hmm. to the Lord. 
And so I kind of wanted to just let that hang mm -hmm. because I don't want to ever give the impression that when you do trust the Lord, it's always going to work out the way you would prefer. Mm -hmm. Because the fact of the matter is, Hebrews, um, the, the Hall of Faith chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, says that some believed and were rescued and delivered, mm -hmm. and some believed and were sawn asunder. Mm -hmm. the, the, the outcome is up to mm -hmm. the Lord. And it's and he is good no matter whether Abby has brain damage or whether she doesn't. Mm -hmm. And so this is the challenge of these texts. I mean, man, it, these are more than children's stories, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, these these stories call us to a deep and profound faith and trust and dependence upon a good and powerful God. So I pray that this uh, these messages will be helpful to all of us. Certainly, they're challenging me, mm -hmm. and uh, I pray that God will continue to grow us in our faith in God alone. In well, God we, alone. We appreciate your faithfulness to teach us so well, and thank you, church family, for remaining just so lovable and teachable throughout this process. Again, if you ever have any particular questions about these as well, feel free to shoot those to us, um, and we will look forward this next Sunday as we dive into the story of Joseph and the coat of many colors and all the. Uh, the challenges and struggles in his life. So, Pastor Kevin, thank you once again for joining us this week, and church, we'll see you again next week.